Pro Podcast, your guide to the entertainment industry from the professionals at the top. Hello and welcome to Like a Pro Podcast with me, Susie Wilde. And we're talking about music in this episode. So many people dream of playing their live gigs, traveling the world. What is it like to follow that dream through? I'm joined now by two musicians who have done all of the above. Drummer John Blackburn and pianist Brendan Dow. Thank you for joining us today. Hello! Oh. Yeah, <laughs> that came with quite a fall, so I, I like that. I like the enthusiasm. I know that it's your first time being here, but not the first time working together, because you've actually known each other quite some time. That's right, yeah. 10 years? Is it 10 years? Possibly 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, piano so. cruises, right? Yeah. A uh, crew bar very downstairs on a piano <laughs> okay. cruise ship. Yeah. Downstairs is in like more fun like the Titanic. Downstairs is in under the waterline. <laughs> okay, right, okay. I should explain as well that the, the kind of style of music that you do, it's it's jazz and soul, isn't it? I'll do whatever people pay me to do. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and they're definitely kinds of music that I really enjoy, but it probably constitutes about 20% of my work these days right okay um, but i do i do like that music and that's probably the music that made me want to do it in the first place that's that's true yeah i think that's mainly what we studied i mean it's what what uh what most people study jazz seems to be a good good way in to get a kind of all all round view of how to play lots of kinds of music and then people go off and uh, play whatever they like really or whatever people will pay them to do and what's interesting about both of you is that although you have a kind of similar jobs in the you actually started out quite different paths. So, John, you started your drumming quite late, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. So I started out when I was about, well, about 17-ish, um, having played trumpet and other instruments. Like, I've been involved with music, like, at school, since primary school, like a lot of people. But I didn't start taking it seriously or start playing the instrument I now play, the drums, until I was about 17. So, yeah, a bit later. So from going to studying at 17 to then go to music college, did you feel like there was a kind of, I have to prove myself to get to that point? Yeah, I was surrounded by other drummers that were working really hard from a much younger age. So by the time I uh, started having lessons with my teacher, um, the well, the guy that really inspired me, Jeff Hutchinson. By the time I met him, the other people in the other his his other students of a similar age to me had already been like putting in a lot of hours every day right. since they were sort of eight to ten years old. So yeah, I definitely noticed that there was a I didn't feel like I was behind exactly, but I, there was a difference, you know. Okay. So, yeah. And Brendan, you started quite an early age with piano. Yeah, it's, it's a fairly classic story. My parents gave me keyboard lessons from about five, and then I, started, I went once a week after school to do that, um, playing in little... They, they had quite a lot of opportunities to play in public, um, which was good. Then come sort of 16, that was... Being a piano player, you don't often play with other people as much as some of the musicians might play in bands and things. Like if you play trumpet, you might get, play in the school orchestra. 16, I joined the local youth jazz orchestra, and that was then that became my social life basically. So and I was like, what is this amazing? I can do this thing, and it feels amazing. And I, I get to hang out with amazing people. Um, yeah, that's one, what I want to do. Okay, so you kind of have that collaboration and this camaraderie as well. 
Um, interestingly, John, you mentioned in uh, that you you felt like uh, the the music college that you went to was quite formative for your work and uh, allowed you to kind of be around creative people. So did you have that sense as well of you get to feel almost like that is your social life that you... A hundred percent, yeah. First of all, I had the same experience when I was a kid or like much younger doing, getting to meet, I met my people in the like county music ensemble, the youth music ensembles and things. It's that, like finding a tribe, isn't right, it? Right, that's exactly what it was, even though I didn't wouldn't have had those words at the time, but it definitely... Yeah, I definitely felt at ho more at home doing that than anything else. And then sure that something similar happened at, yeah, Leeds at Music College later on, where um, although I was actually surprised, I don't know what your experience was, Brendan, but although I was actually quite surprised that not everybody on the course with me at university was aiming in the same place or had the same sort of values. Um, in what way were they kind of looking to do different genres? Uh, yeah, so I studied a jazz course and I went to do that on purpose. And there were some people at that on that same course that weren't that interested in that music, which to me was like a real surprise. Um, and but you quite quickly find the like you do in any situation, right? You quite quickly find the sort of core people where you're sort of aligned enough in what you're trying to do. And that is your cohort straight away, isn't it? They're the people that you develop with. And and I definitely had that experience then of feeling like, ah, these are these are my people, you know? And when you are creating the these joint projects with people, do you find did you have to work out how to to manage them as well and how to to work with different personalities? Oh well, yeah, I, mean, I think a lot in the early days it's your friends. You, you find the people that you get along with. Hopefully they'll play a combination of instruments that's going to work together. And you just, you just want to have fun. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's how to make a project successful. Work with people that you like. Yeah, um, well, and of course we have, a, we have an interesting perspective on that because of course we have done projects with just the two of us, like various things. And we've also done a larger sort of band project uh, previously with a friend of ours. This uh, is Miss K and the KO. Good knowledge, Susan. I know, oh, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So we did... So Brendan and I met on a, a cruise ship playing in a band. And then I feel like it was at about that time or maybe slightly later, we started talking... Because I mentioned that I was going to move to London. Brendan already lived in London. And um, I mentioned... Or the, oh, yeah, the idea came up, I don't remember who it came from, of doing something original, right? I think John is a great instigator. He's one of those people <laughs> who make things happen. It's like, here's an idea, let's actually do it. Yes, and then what I do is make sure that I've got someone like Brendan who can actually do it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's it. I'm a great instigator and Brendan is a great getter of things done. So, uh, but this is why the, the partnership seems to work so well. I mean, you, you talk about Miss K and the KOs. Um, and although it, it is a, a project that you enjoyed doing, you also got quite far with it. I, I understand you headlined Ronnie Scott's and, you know, you... you we did the, yeah, we played the upstairs bar at Ronnie's, which is a really nice gig. So it's just sort of separate to the, the main sort of downstairs room where a lot of the, the big acts play. But yeah, we did, didn't we? Like we played there twice, actually. We did once as a, like an opening act for someone, didn't we? Yeah. And then we did it. It's a long time ago now. And then we did our, I think, our two big successes that I would say I, that were the biggest like learning opportunities for me were, getting the album, the EP out at all. I think that was amazing that we did that. 
and um, and then the EP launch that we did at the Bedford in Balham. Like they were the two things that stand out for me. I don't know about you, Brendan. And what was it about that that, that stood out for you and and you as well, Brendan? Was it, did did you kind of share that? Do you think that that was a, a kind of big milestone for you? Yeah, it was quite a big deal for me. I mean, I I mean, I'm we're both jobbing musicians, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about what that means. But um, we decided to be musicians, and that means we decided we want to have some kind of creative aspect to our lives. That can come out in sort of different ways in your job, in your work, but to have a project like that where you are being creative, we're writing the songs, we're producing the songs, we're actually being creative. Um, that was one of the first big projects that I was successful in doing that. And yeah, no, having a product at the end of it, an EP, and having a gig where you're performing all your own music, that is, is, is pretty good for your self-esteem, actually. Yeah, I, I would imagine that one of the things I wondered with being, as you say, a job in musician, yes, you, you have to do what other people tell you, but you also then want to express your own kind of music. So, for example, when you're working on the cruise ships, do you get to do what you'd like to do or do you have to kind of just go with what they tell you? Well, first, kind of like genre-wise, um, the cruise ships we were working on, they were predominantly like sort of pension age passengers. Right. Um, so we still have to go with what the sort of the music that, that would be appropriate for people, for those kind of people. Um, so uh, part of what we would do on the ship would be like backing artists who come on and sing, like cabaret artists, and they would bring their own music. We'd be given, handed the sheet music, and then two hours later, we'd have to do the show. Ah, um, okay. So that doesn't seem like quite a long time to prepare, unless... But that's, that is what that job is. Right, that's okay. So you just have to have those... Yeah, one of the skills, skills. is sight reading. It's like just being given sheet music and being able to play it first time, second time at most. Okay. Um, so so the, the pattern for that would be we'd have like an hour of rehearsal at five o'clock, and then the first show at 7.30 or something. Um, and really, by that point, you then know, right, that's, you know, you know how to play it, you know what you're... If the music's good enough, yeah. Yeah, well, well, also, I would say that those gigs were the last time I had a rehearsal. Like, the funny thing about that is that seemed like, oh, this is exciting. Like, yeah. it's a 40-minute, you know, rehearsal after the sound's been sorted out, and then you do the two shows that night. But actually, since then, like, coming to London, I think I've done... In the 10 years that I was in London, or, or at least the, however long I've been off cruise ships, I've probably done four rehearsals total outside of our creative things, you know? So now it's show up, no rehearsal, do the thing. Maybe you get sent the music in advance to look over beforehand. But that's, a again, a bit like that's a certain kind of work that you can do within the sort of jobbing musician oh the air quotes don't really work on all <laughs> they don't oh, Sorry for the that. benefit of the tape john is doing air quotes it'll be um, all over instagram but we're trending sorry just to what you were both saying though about the the nature of the work so i would say that the cruise ship thing the work that we did together on there that was not a was not sort of intended to be i didn't view that as a creative expression right okay me yeah um in terms of what was being played now the way that you do it and the way that you deal with the people around you that's still you know you're still having to be yourself in that sense but um no i would say that the most of the commercial small c commercial work that i have ever done and continue to do is not creative in the sense that i'm not making large decisions about what's going to happen in the music however i still enjoy that um, you make mm. you get to make subtle decisions, and 
that's fine. Like I, I like that as well. I don't know about you, Brendan. Yeah. Yeah. So there is that side to it. I mean, we on the ships we did that, do, do that kind of gig, but we also did those, those trio things, which was like a little oh, jazz. Oh, that's trio. true. Yeah. We did quite a lot of that, and then, you know, just in the, in the genre of jazz, there is a lot more room for for expressing yourself. And you know, one thing that I, I wondered about jazz in particular is there's an expectation that you can kind of improvise and you do a little bit away from sticking to the script, I suppose. That's the, I don't have any musical terminology so, for that. No, but. That's that. I would say it's fair to say that that's the most fundamental part of that music, isn't it? I would say is that in the improvising side of it. That's yeah. the thing that defines it's, it. Um, yeah, it's neat. So basically, there's a structure. And everybody on the stage understands the structure. Around that structure, anyone can improvise. Ah, um, so we know okay. there's going to be, somebody's going to sing, and then there's going to be some solos, and then somebody's going to sing again. And we know what the chords are going to be. But anything right. else is kind of up for grabs. Well, and even the, the chords are up for grabs, aren't they, some <laughs> of the time, you know? And it all, I mean, it all depends on the crowd, what you can get away with, really. Hmm. If you're in like a you know a proper London jazz club, you can get away with a lot more. Um, do you do you ever have that situation where um, somebody is improvising and they just kind of go off on one, <laughs> and you don't know when they're going to? This is just me with very very basic knowledge of music. In fact, by basic I mean none. So um, what would you what do you do if somebody is kind of just like doing their solo for too long? Does that happen? Um, it depends. Oh, just, it just, <laughs> Give them eyebrows. Right. <laughs> yeah. so, but that's interesting, though, because that, that depends on... So you've, um, you've hit upon, like, something important, which is the difference in, say, the, the values of particular kinds of music and even the difference in values between different groups of people performing mm. that same music. So here's a thing that has happened to me on a gig like there's a meme on the internet about like this drummer's at the wrong gig I don't know if you've seen it no and he's playing oh it's this guy he's playing like some rock and roll show or he's playing something and he just starts going like way over the top he's like spinning his sticks and there's just going all over <laughs> so, so I have had an experience which where I was playing what I would consider sort of a a commercial you know almost background gig hmm. and I'm not even going to say which instrument it was but a, a <laughs> you member you won't even the, name the instrument a member <laughs> A, a member. <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't. No, it's not Brendan. It wasn't Brendan Dow. If you not. say, if you say the instrument, is that going to identify? I feel too? like there will be major controversy, <laughs> and they will, the person, a few people, will get self-conscious and hunt me down. So I'm on this okay. gig. I'm on this gig, and it's it's not a background gig, but it's also it's a it's a covers gig. It's just a straight yeah. like pop covers gig, really, and um. Uh, someone who was not a regular member of that <laughs> band was I already playing, know this is be great. playing an instrument who <laughs> takes a lot of the solos, tends to take a lot of the solos. In that Should we just music. call them like band member let's X or call, something? Let's say, uh, no, I'm not going to do it. So anyway, okay. so this, anyway, so anyway, the gig's been fine. Like right. they're playing extremely well. Like they're extremely competent, extremely competent musicians. So it's all good. And then it gets to like one particular tune and there's a big, there is a big sort of solo for this instrument at the end of this particular song. It was, uh, in fact, it was all night long, you know? Okay. The Lionel yeah. Richie class. Yeah. And there's a big solo at the end on this particular version of the song, the structure that we sort of had agreed to, <laughs> there's a solo at the end, which takes the tune, finishes the tune off, you know? And on that kind of gig, yes, it's a little moment to play something to get people excited, but no, 
It doesn't need to be 25 minutes long. No. Ju- they well, do- no, I'm exaggerating. It <laughs> okay. Before, but this is the difference. So everybody else on that stage, and I would hazard a guess, the audience had an inkling of how long maybe this should go on for. Yeah. And this particular person was less in touch with the group think on how long that should go on for. So do things like, so he just went, it just was, I mean, it was very good, but it was just going on and on. Okay. And it was like, it was... we were all looking at each other going, well, how do we finish this? Because it's still happening. <laughs> you know, like one to go home. The piano gotta... player had ordered some drinks, like the delivery room was showing up. It was going on and on. We we're all looking around and eventually, like, and, and it sometimes falls to me to do things like this. Eventually it was just like, I'm going to finish this song now. So the rest of the band... So the rest of the band who were actually paying attention to each other, which you have to do whatever kind of music you're playing, <laughs> yeah. like, sort of agreed that we were going to finish it at this, you know, we were like, we're going to, it's going to finish now, last time round. And this gentleman playing whatever instrument he was Ooh, playing. Oh, so we know it's a gentleman now. Yes. Yeah, okay. Although I might have been saying that to throw you off the sense. <laughs> ah, okay, right. So they, um, anyway, so, and it just went on, like this description of the story. And it, we finished, they did not. <laughs> and they just kept going. And we just literally sat there. He, not like he went on for ages, but there was just a few more notes until he actually realized. And, what, and the thing about that is, that is bad musicianship because you're not paying attention to the people you're well, supposed to be playing with. Actually, so. yeah, that's a good point because you have to kind of work together and you're having to listen out to um, to what each other are doing. Sorry, Brandy, you're going to say something. Yeah, so the moral of that story is play the book by the gig that you're booked on. Yes. Right, yeah. 100%. Yeah. But do you know what? It's interesting because we spoke just before about some of the parallels between uh, what you do in music and so my background is in comedy. And, you know, it's interesting because there are some people that do that in comedy as well. So they might be booked for a family-friendly thing and mentioning no names. They might go off on a rant about um, the society and conspiracy theories and stuff um you know who you are so <laughs> so <laughs> do you think that that is just a kind of do you think it's the a case of uh, having a professional mindset is that what it is is that what separates you know just going off doing what yeah. you like with respect it's just one of the things that you have to learn and I've, i think a lot of people have not learned that at an early stage in their career right um and then, is that then, because of ego or like what just yeah it could be just could be just not just wanting to do their thing i think it's uh, lack of awareness i think right. it's lack of self-awareness and environmental awareness like what where am i why am i here like what is my um, have these people come to see me or mm. are they here and i am also performing yeah i think that's a big thing I think a lot of people have that, particularly in in creative jobs where you kind of start off, especially, you know, starting young and you go into these things and you're like, right, I'm going to change the whole scene. I'm going to do everything. And then, you know, you realize that you have to, you, it's, it is still a job. So <laughs> I, I'm still laughing at the, <laughs> the delivery thing. And that's the cut down version of that story, <laughs> Susie. Yeah. To know, I have... <laughs> Oh my god. I have um some some questions in this round which I'm calling No such thing as a stupid question. Okay. Now I want you listeners we'll to Okay <laughs> No pressure. I want you listeners to to think of me as a kind of sacrificial lamb. <laughs> I am going to ask the questions you really want to ask musicians. 
but you don't <laughs> dare ask. <laughs> That's a long list. <laughs> That's not, this isn't the whole list. These are just some ideas. Is that a spreadsheet? Ideas. She's color-coded a spreadsheet of questions. Listen, I'm very organised and professional, so okay? Professional. I'm doing this like a pro. Available wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> See? <laughs> That was magnificent. <laughs> it was. <laughs> no such thing as a stupid question. Question one. Should you um, do a solo for 25 minutes with a delivery? <laughs> 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 I am so going to find out who this person is. I and can't I, even remember their names. Yeah, of course you Well, can, because I course. never, ever booked them on a gig. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> with good reason. Um so someone's about to find out their career's over. Probably me. <laughs> no, they're no. doing very well. <laughs> okay. yeah. They probably oh. are. They're doing extremely well, just not doing that exact thing with me. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're doing yeah, extremely yeah. well. This no, might... this guy was amazing. He was a superb musician. I don't want to means... like... Yeah. Listeners, this means they might be famous. We might have another clue here. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> Is this going to turn into a murder mystery? <laughs> yeah. Susan the Christie. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Poddatha Christie, I don't know. We've had Wagatha Christie, stranger things have happened. Um, it's actually just one, <laughs> one small bit on this giant list that you see. Stupid questions. <laughs> I'm already regretting this. <laughs> Here we go. Right. <laughs> you know how you have to study all of the sounds ever? Yeah. I'm going to say yes to get the rest okay. of the question, but carry okay. on. Maybe. Who worked out all the sounds in the world? Brendan, go ahead. It was kind of like formalised over many, many centuries by intelligent people. We, we, like in, this, in Europe, we have one way of thinking about things. In other places, they have slightly different ways of thinking about things. And only recently have we sort of learnt about each other. I think we just like found the things that we liked and tried, f tried to find ways of, to emulate that and replicate that. Yeah, and part of that is giving those sounds that we like a name so that we can then describe them to other people, right? So we've all, we've all basically agreed over time. I mean, Brendan and I weren't responsible for this when I say we. It has been agreed over time that, <laughs> that like, for example, that the, the frequency 440 or whatever it hurts, whatever it is, we call that sound that is made the note A. And even then, there's a few people that disagree, aren't there? Like, there's a few other takes. So basically, that we, in order to be able to communicate with other people that were going to make noises, we had to come up with, we had to use some of the same kind names for certain sounds. Like a language, like yeah. a word. Yes, exactly. It's exactly, yeah. It's exactly that, yeah. Okay, see, not such a stupid question now, I feel now, like Susie it? had that language <laughs> answer in her pocket the whole time and just not. wanted to see how long we'd you. waste getting around to the <laughs> Yes, Susie, your answer was the best one. <laughs> I promise you, this was, I, I being up front, I had no, no clue that I was going to be revealed as a genius. Okay, so, um, right, my next <laughs> question. Your notes, they go from A to G, yeah? Can there a H note? Well, it depends. In some... In, is there a H note? Is it German? In German, I think they have What? German. Yeah. yeah. Now, is, so is that <gasps> B or B flat? I think the B flat is a B and the... B natural is, is an, H. an H. Right. So and the reason for that oh. is so they can spell the word bark in musical letters. Well, I didn't know that. I, I have learned that. I did not know that. Is that yeah. actually true? 
I, I think that's to, as far as I know. That's, you have to understand, I'm very gullible. I will get sucked in by these things. <laughs> as far as I know. <laughs> well, I believe it. It's a very sincere tone of voice he used when he said that. It's a, so, it's a, it's a language thing and a culture thing. Like Other countries don't call their, their notes A to, A to G. They call them completely different things, even in France or Germany or so there is actually a h note you know i was looking around for h like line of duty but anyway um <laughs> <laughs> i really want to hear That's your impression of the, the guy because i bet you can no Come on. <laughs> i'm not gonna do it now i oh, can so do impressions can do but i just won't do that in one okay completely different um, right actually this might be my last stupid question no go on okay fine you did ask mm. <laughs> If instruments take years to learn, how did the person inventing them know to invent them? Um, well, I, I, I want to know, why, how does anybody learn to play the violin? Because if you learn to play the violin... Why does anybody learn to play the violin? <gasps> yeah. no. No, oh, okay, joking. No, no, apologise to any... Violin played well is a beautiful noise. Violin played badly is an awful noise. It and is, I don't know yeah. how anybody, years of just screeching to get to that place. And yet, yeah. drums no. played badly is an awful noise. However, drums played well is also an awful noise. So, you know, why did you... <laughs> <laughs> It took me a second to get there. So what was the what was the question actually? It was about how do people know to Right, everything that we play now, yeah. everything with right. is a development of much more primitive things that have existed previously in history, right? One woke so the drum kit that I sit on now, no up in the morning and invented the drum kit. What we had before was some drums and then long time before that we had like Just some banging tubes. stuff. Yeah, banging yeah. stuff, possibly with sticks, possibly not. So I so it so I can't tell you because I wasn't there and I don't know anybody that was there what possessed the first guy to pick up a stick and hit something. I get it now. Okay, so it's a bit like um, with art, for example, where somebody will do surrealism and then that will go to, you know, somebody will do pop art and then you can come to a point where everybody has a bit of everything. And it's actually all, music in general. It's all evolution. Mind can hear things. Um, just to real quickly take it back to the the um the presupposition of a couple of your questions i don't want to take them too seriously <laughs> but the the kind of underlying idea of a couple of your questions yeah. was that um like that learning all of the notes and understanding a lot of things was a, a real important sort of fundamental to to doing anything in music and actually that there's not that many notes to learn like uh, that's not the that's not the really hard bit. Like learning to name and recognize the sounds is not is not the. Um, there are plenty of people that don't know all the chords, right? That can write and perform some brilliant music. So it's about kind of perfecting it. Um, I've I've heard this um, said about drum drumming where it's you probably heard it too. It's easy to learn but hard to master. Would you? We like to tell people that. Yeah, that's our sort of. Um, um, right. Well, that's so the, the I think that's true of most art forms or yeah. most skills, really. Uh, there's you know, to a different degree. So you can. Some things are easy to get a start on, but then, you know, so yeah, to be a master of anything is difficult. Yeah, and with the drums, for example, the reason that people will say that is that, yeah, literally anybody can pick up a stick and make contact with a drum, and it will make a sound. Mm. No one's going to get that wrong. Whereas on other instruments, 
for example, the aforementioned violin or clarinet, something where you need like an embouchure or a very specific way of doing it. It sounds, anybody can hear that if you do it badly, it sounds awful. On a drum, people are less, people don't have the same ear development to hear whether it sounds good or bad or not. However, um, so I think that's where the easy to start comes through. But I don't think the drums are harder to master than any other instrument. Well, they're definitely not harder to master than There's any more than a lifetime's work in any instrument. Yeah. So it's just about, it's a, it's a learning curve. And it's just about how steep that curve is, but there's no end to the curve. And uh, Brendan, it's interesting the way that, uh, I know I, I kind of joke about not knowing a lot about music and all that kind of stuff, which I don't. But it does kind of speak of the misconceptions that people have um, about your profession. What do you think some of the um, the main misconceptions are that people have when you say I'm a musician? Or okay, so the most I think the most obvious one is they I don't know they go to a gig they see someone rocking up, working for two hours maximum a night. And I think that's quite an easy job, isn't it? I could do that. Um, when the, well, of course, they don't see the 30 years worth of training mm. they don't see the learning the music they don't see all the business side of it everything they don't see um you know all the admin that goes into getting the gig um travel every you know everything it goes you know a gig a gig day is basically like an eight hour day usually when you're factoring so traveling and and everything Right, and um, uh, what is the process? So if I was to ask, can you do this gig? Um, you know, I just want you to, to play um, on this day. Then how do you go about preparing for that? Well, it depends. If it's, if it's like a pre-existing band, then the work's kind of already done. We'll have already yeah. worked out a set list. We'll have, we'll have maybe got some sheet music um, arranged for it. We'll have people we can call at drop of a hat to come and come and play with us um so mo if it's sort of a pre-existing thing most of the work is already done but then it's just like the travel and the and the and the arrangements and getting there and everything and setting up you know there's that old thing that says like uh, we don't get paid for the playing we get paid for the travel and the setting up mm. and the wait waiting around yeah the playing yeah. is generally fun if you've got the right people but it's such a small part of the i mean it's still it's still work like it still requires you know as you know from your own work in entertainment like it's still definitely work like it's you know you can be you know even on a short show even if you're just doing 245s or two one hours which is fairly rare now you know outside of theaters you know but even on those shows where it's shorter like i mean you can just be totally knackered afterwards you know like it's yeah. it's physically tiring as well as concentratingly tiring. And, so and uh, do people, do you have to kind of manage expectations as well with, with some people? With some people, they, well, they just don't know. What do you need to kind of set up and what, you know, what can you do in the time frame? And yeah, I mean, I think we try and sort of be clear before the day, you know, what expectations are and what we're, what we're required to do, you know, what we can do and what we can't do. Um, in my experience, it seems to be like the more, the high end the client is, the cooler they are about it. Right. Um, That's interesting. It seems to be. I don't know. Probably because, like, if you've if it's a sli slightly lower end thing, maybe it's more of a big deal. You're spending I don't know a thousand pounds, two thousand pounds on a band. Yeah. Um, that's maybe a, quite a lot of money for those people. So they're kind of like they want to micromanage it and they want to make sure everything is perfect about it. If you're spending that amount and your your events costing a hundred grand, then you're a smaller piece of the pie. So, and those people probably maybe do it more often, so they're sort of used to. Oh, yeah, we know this will be fine. These are good people. 
Yeah. Um, there's definitely... I don't know how much of that managing of expectations that you're talking about is down to individual musicians or just down to whoever happens to be in charge of the thing. So if you're a band leader or you whatever, then you also have all of those responsibilities as well. And exactly what Brendan said, that should be taken care of before anyone gets near a venue. Yeah. Okay, so um, I guess what, what I, uh, I'll finish on is um, how can us in the, uh, you know, just in the public, how can we make your lives easier? <laughs> how can we, what, you know, how do we support musicians and... Oh, best thing, come out to shows. Just yeah. come out to gigs, like local stuff. It, whatever's easy and fun for you, just do it as much as you can because you will have a great time. That's the thing I would say, yeah. Um, well, we, li we live in London. It's one of the best cities in the world for seeing sort of grassroots music. You know, there are fewer venues than there used to be, but they do still exist. And I, I was out last night seeing a friend making amazing music in like a tiny little venue. Just going, yeah. Go and have a good night. So get out there and support your musicians if you want to, to see the industry keep flourishing. Okay, well, guys, that's the end of our conversation. It's been so much fun. Thank you Great. for, for you. joining Lovely. me. Um, so just to remind everyone, I'll, I'll close it like uh, they do in music on drums. We had John Blackburn <laughs> <laughs> on piano, Brendan Dowles. And as usual, your host, Susie Wilde. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.